Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I think I remember when it started. Isn't that when the internet started? <laughs> yeah, so when I found out about J-Ski and I knew what J-Ski was, I was on that thing, whether it was daily or weekly, like it was a religion, you know, going on there, checking it out. And, of course, my, my favorite, favorite, favorite time of year was December, January time when everybody was coming out with new paint schemes for the next year and all that sort of stuff, you know. Like I'd go on there every day, like, whose new paint scheme got released today? Whose new paint scheme got released today? So um, that was a huge thing for me. And then, of course, just following up on all the news things that always came out, the rumor mills, and he was always ahead of time on everything and, and all the the moves of silly seasons and things happening. So that was big for me when I was growing up. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. We have another narrative episode of the podcast. The subject is familiar to anyone who followed NASCAR during the 1990s or 2000s with the help of the internet. It's arguably the most famous website in NASCAR history. It's J-Ski's Silly Season, which was born 23 years ago, mushroomed into one of the most influential mediums in NASCAR, went through a period where its sway waned because of social media and a redesign, then endured a hiatus of a few months when it seemed J-Ski might be gone forever, and now it is back as the go-to source for any paint scheme from the past two decades, as well as a host of other nuggets. I've been a loyal follower of J-Ski since close to its inception. There were many nights in the mid-2000s at random hotels around the country while on the NASCAR beat, when I stayed up until after midnight for the site's article columns link section to update, just so I could peruse what all of the competition was writing about on the beat then. So the news of Jayski's brief demise this past January was met by wistfulness, just as much as the site's recent resurrection brought joy and the opportunity to sit down with the low-profile Jay Adamczyk for our first in-person conversation ever. We met in a Starbucks near his home in the suburbs south of Charlotte. Thankfully, he was wearing a hat or I might not have recognized him. You know, I didn't even realize uh, when you recognized me that I had the hat on. (laughs) I kind of forget. Being bald, I always have a hat on, so I just kind of forget what I have on. If that sounds unassuming, that's a good description of Jay and his story, which began with very humble origins. The tale of the man with the mouse that roared in NASCAR starts with a rudimentary computer programming class. Jay Adamsik had gone back to college at the age of 33 and was learning basic HTML computer programming. He was proficient in the WordPerfect word processing program, whose coding he found similar to HTML. He was assigned to build a web page in 1996, 
a NASCAR fan who had attended his first race at Dover 14 years earlier, he made the page about racing. One of my classes was you had to do an HTML page, learn a little bit of HTML. So I did my about cats, dogs, myself, that type of thing. I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. We had to use WordPerfect in DOS. WordPerfect, very similar to HTML, the coding. So gotcha. it's like, I'm like coding. I'm like, this looks just like WordPerfect. So it was real easy for me to pick up, and uh, I enjoyed it. So then I started... I was a big Ernie Irvin fan, still am. I just made an Ernie Irvin page. And, you know, people started finding, finding it because at that time, the Internet was at an infant stage. And people started asking me questions about other drivers. And I started getting people sending me stuff about other drivers. I made, like, a chart and, a, and its own page. It was Jayski's Ernie Irvin page. I'm like, oh, Jayski's Silly Season site. Let's go to that with that. So I put that up there. And I put Silly Season page. It wasn't even a site. And that just frickin' took off. It was coined Jayski's Silly Season Page. Eventually, it became famously known on the same first-name basis as the superstars who ruled the series that it covered. Daryl, Rusty, Dale, Jayski. That probably was a big kick to all of the Air Force buddies who came up with Jay's nickname after struggling to pronounce his surname, Adamsic. He called me Adamski all the time. Like, yeah. no, it's Adamski. Hell, we're going to call you Jayski. <laughs> and all the guys start calling me Jayski. I'm like, you would be on the radio, because at the time I was, uh, I was a crew chief on the C5s, and I was on this one duty where I had to take the carts around. So they had to call me on the radio. Hey, Jayski, we need a cart. I'm like, this is really catching on. Kind of just laid doormat until I started to say, I just, just use that. What the heck? <laughs> Really weird. Who, who would have known? No one could have predicted the site would have taken off as it would either. By the end of 1996, less than four months after launching, Jayski was drawing 5,000 daily visitors, which were eye-popping numbers in the nascent days of the internet. Jay began getting offers to partner with venture capitalists and establish portals such as Yahoo. Shortly after he quit his job near the end of 1999, Jay's site drew a personal one-day record of 1.5 million hits for its coverage of the Daytona 500 qualifying races in 2000. Jayski eventually aligned with ESPN.com, which bought the site in 2006 near its peak traffic rates of about 100 million page views annually. So how did Jayski.com make a dizzying 10-year rise from the confines of a college computer lab to a worldwide information clearinghouse for NASCAR, which had existed for nearly 50 years prior to the Silly Season site's existence. To understand how Jayski fits into the evolution of the NASCAR media landscape, it helps to consult informal NASCAR media historian Kyle Petty. Kyle says NASCAR news started with esteemed journalist Chris Economaki and his legendary Speedsport News publication. In the era before racing coverage was available in the mainstream, Speedsport exhaustively covered every series and track, from the grassroots to the big leagues. First there was Speedsport News, Economaki, and you waited for Speedsport News. I mean, you went to the mailbox every friggin' day waiting for that thing to come. And, and especially if you were a local racer. If you won a big race, listen, 79 when I won the ARC race, I remember Speedsport News, that was a big deal for me. God almighty, man. That was a big deal, because I'd never run anything. Hell, that's the first race I'd ever run. Here I was in Speedsport News. That shifted with the 1977 birth of the publication that would become the weekly Bible of all things NASCAR, first known as Grand National Scene. You used to walk around the racetrack, and they would show up, and they would just 
throw bundles of them, just like a newsboy, throw bundles of them behind trucks, and it shut down the garage area just about. You would see people standing, drivers, owners, officials, reading the scene. Because if it was in the scene, and now it's a week behind. Right. But right. still, that's where you got a lot of your news. The Winston Cup Grand National scene, and then later just Winston Cup scene or NASCAR scene, was the paper of record for more than three decades as it amassed a weekly circulation well above 100,000. For the inside story on the who, what, when, where, and why of Winston Cup racing, to get award-winning photography from the best in the business, plus the inside stories and complete coverage from riders who know what racing is all about. you got to read Winston Cup scene. Have your credit card ready and call this number. You'll get 50 issues mailed directly to your home at less than half the newsstand price. So call now and you won't miss a minute of action all season long. If you love Winston Cup racing... you got to read Winston Cup scene. But Petty remembers it also for being... A, a huge vehicle, let me say this, for lack of a better term, for fake news, for spinning the story the way you wanted it spun. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you would float something out, and it would end up in the scene, and then you would see what the reaction was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, there was a little bit of truth in the story, but maybe not. You know what I mean? There were rumor that Neil Bonnet was leaving... Raymock and going to juniors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure enough, it was. You know what I mean? But it was that kind of stuff. Jayski became that, but it was instant, yeah. real time, man. It was just that need and that want for everybody in the garage area to be in the know. The born on date for Jayski.com was August 26, 1996. And within a year, it had permanently changed the game of NASCAR news and how it was covered and consumed. Beyond the paint scheme and statistical archives, there was a dual appeal to visiting Jayski. There were the rumors about team personnel changes or moves involving drivers and sponsors, and there were the myriad links to stories on newspaper websites and other media outlets that sometimes provided that information. Soon after starting his site, Jay began cultivating a vast network of sources who constantly emailed him information. The word spread first on newsgroups and message boards, which Jay used for finding paint schemes. But then the tips began pouring in from the shops of NASCAR teams. It started when Jay, who was a pre-Google pro at using the AltaVista search engine, found an obscure nugget that the University of Nebraska was considering a sponsorship of Lake Speed's car at Melling Racing. I don't know how I found it. I was just searching around. I found it on the University of Nebraska site. I'm like, what's this all about? And that was the fun part is searching around the Internet and trying to find stuff. And, you know, something that you didn't see any place else. To this day, I still love when I find something like that. The Nebraska sponsorship didn't materialize. But that nugget and many others shored up Jay's reputation as a go-to for downloading and delivering information. On a typical day, he estimated receiving 100 tips from the NASCAR industry. And when I started hearing from drivers and teams and stuff, I sort of knew. I would, that's when I sort of knew when I was on, on things. Like they would, they would email me to correct something. Or it's like, yeah, you got that a little wrong. Here's the right way. Just don't tell anyone that you got it from me. So that was kind of cool. Um, I guess you know, that meant that they at least liked the way I was doing things and I wasn't being a, being a jerk about things. Would you hear from... General managers, crew chiefs, body 
Oh, guys, foremen. You know, would you hear from anybody? Everybody. Yeah. Anybody, everybody. You know, I've heard later that some people lost their jobs. You know, if it was a team I knew was tight about their stuff, and I've heard that they weren't real big fans of the site, I'd be like, might want to be careful what you're doing. You know, you really want me to post this. Does anyone else know? Because if you're the only one that knows, you could be in trouble, and I don't want you to lose your job. So yeah. I'd let them make the decision. Why do you think people would constantly still come to you with information with that risk? being a possibility. I don't know, maybe it's their claim to fame. I, I don't know. I d you know, sometimes I wonder that myself and but you know if it if it seemed credible I give it a shot and if it fell fell flat on its face, that person emailed me again, I'd be like, well, I'll put that one up. Yeah. You gotta you gotta prove yourself again. And yeah, I'd, I'd have I'd have sources within, you know, different teams and stuff that would you know, let me know if something was right. Sometimes that was just as invaluable find you know, someone would email me something and I'd email the team like, I just heard this and they go like it's going to happen, but I'd rather you not post it, and I would hold off and wait for the press release. We'll give you the press release first. Sometimes Absolutely. they do it, and sometimes they leave you hanging. The <coughs> most well-known person to contact you in confidence, driver, team owner, I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> Regardless, he always had the rapt attention of every team in NASCAR, including the storied Petty Enterprises at its Level Cross, North Carolina headquarters. I, I bet if you had gone back to that, especially that time, if he got 100,000 hits a day, it was 15 or 20 per crew member. And that's an exaggeration, but at the same time, yeah. it's not. It was just everybody went there. Right. And, and, and Level Cross, no joke, we had one computer. We left it up all the time. We left it up all the time. The computer in the break room was all, always on Jason. Within five years, Jayski arguably became the most powerful voice in the NASCAR media core. Jay was named multiple times to the Charlotte Observer's annual list of the 25 most influential people, places, and things in NASCAR. In an online chat from 2003, David Poole, the late NASCAR beat writer for the Observer who had considerable clout of his own, wrote, A lot of people who do the same job I do will tell you that they don't check Jayski. They are either lying or stupid. The first thing I do when I sign on at a racetrack is check my email. The second thing I do is check Jay's site. If there's something on Jayski's site that I don't know about, my job is to go find out about it. Jayski is a digest of what everybody in my business is doing and also an agenda setter for a day at the racetrack, Poole wrote. Jay learned about Poole's words firsthand during a visit to the Victory Junction Gang camp that was founded by the Petty family. The King actually, he didn't send me anything because he doesn't do the internet. I'll never forget, I went up to Victory Junction once, and Kyle Petty, you know, he, he's sitting down, down on me at lunch. He goes, I have to tell you, man, it's like I come downstairs, and there's the king sitting at the computer. Never sits at the computer. So I go up, what are you doing, Dad? Looking at Jayski. Say, <laughs> so I heard he's coming today. I want to make sure I know a little bit about him. I'm like, that was like kind of blew my mind. Virtually every driver who was prominent in the late 1990s or early to mid-2000s was the subject of a Jayski story that speculated on their contract status or future in NASCAR. Kevin Harvick doesn't recall the first time he made Jayski, but recalls he wanted to avoid being named, even though he was an avid reader. Man, a lot of secrets got out. You know, for, for me, when I started, I, I used to pull up Jayski every day, and, you know, that was really where I went to get all my racing news. And then as I got further into the sport, I realized that that was not the place that I wanted to have my name at, was on Jayski, unless it was for something that was really good. Uh, but if there were rumors on there, you knew that, that uh, they were coming from somewhere near your situation because they were usually true. Um, so it was a pretty 
pretty valid place and source of information that, that, that existed there. How trustworthy and up to speed could it be? Well, it was how Denny Hamlin learned that he had been hired to drive Joe Gibbs Racing's number 11 car. They always had the scoop. So I think that that's originally kind of where I heard you know, the rumors of me being in the 11 car was on J-Ski. So I remember getting a phone call saying, hey, congrats on you know, getting the opportunity in the, in the 11 Cup car. And I was like, well, I don't understand. They're like, well, we just saw it on J-Ski. So that was our source for information at the time. As a child with a father racing on NASCAR's premier circuit in the early 2000s, Ryan Blaney became an early J-Ski adopter for its statistical reach. J-Ski was, you know, that was the first site I would go to, you know, to look at everything. You know, it, it had cup stuff, Swinny stuff, truck stuff. You, know, you can even find some, some late model things on there. It just had so many, so much information on it. You know, I would go, as a kid, I would go to JSKI more than I would to like NASCAR.com just because it was, it was really easy to navigate and uh, it was all simple and you could find what you wanted to find really quick. So yeah, I'd go there all the time. I, I remember JSKI as a, as a young kid, I'd go there all the time to look at dad's stats or something like that. For Landon Castle, it was the best resource for an Iowa teenager keeping tabs on his NASCAR prospects. Oh, I mean, like refreshing J-Ski daily to see if anybody was going to talk about me, <laughs> like when I was like 16, you know, <laughs> um, when I was uh, first talking to NASCAR teams and stuff, I was always curious if reading about rumors. So, um, yeah, I probably have read J-Ski for uh, maybe 15 years before I was even in the garage. I knew about J-Ski. Yeah, I, can, I, I, I used to look at that website times a day. So did Kyle Bush when he and his older brother were on the verge of entering NASCAR. So like obviously being close to the Kurt situation and like the gong show kind of happening and Kurt and going and doing that and racing against some of the other competitors that he raced against and those things I was always on there like hey is he like does he know that Kurt's going to do this yet? <laughs> do they know that Kurt's in on the Roush thing? And yeah. so I did that and then you know when Kurt uh, made it and stuff like that then I was you know obviously kind of looking for my name a little bit but I kind of I guess I, I kind of knew my plan, so I knew it wasn't really going to be out there quite early enough. Like, I actually went and did the gong show. Nothing was ever reported on it. Like, it was the entry blank being sent in for my first race before Jayski actually picked up on it, I think. Like, Kyle Busch is going to be in the truck, Kurt's younger brother. Not everything that appeared on Jayski was rooted in fact, however. In its early years, the site was known to run a healthy dose of rumors, a few of which lacked any substantiation or attribution beyond being credited to sources, or hearing that this might happen. For drivers of the time, such as Jeff Burton, that could be unsettling. Maybe the <laughs> stirs. <laughs> that, was the, that was the site that would print anything, <laughs> write rumors. Um, if you wanted to hear a rumor, that's where you went. Not without facts now. I'm not saying that they were always wrong, but they were, they were willing to print uh, the rumors and talk about the rumors and about the sport in general, you know, driver changes, sponsor changes, crew, crew member changes, all those kind of things. They seemed to have an end with teams where they could, and the willingness to, to print things that some other people wouldn't print. Um, when I think of Jayski, that's what I think about. It turned, evolved into much more of a reference, you know, much more reference. Uh, if you wanted to look at something from the past or whatever, it was a tremendous resource, reference resource. But my perception of them was that was the rumor mill. That yeah. was where you went to get the rumors. Jay had no background or training in journalism, 
But he was an avid newspaper reader who believed in vetting the information he received to help solidify his credibility. But there are also many instances in the early days in which he got something wrong. Namely, when he said Daryl Waltrip would have a Budweiser car during his 2000 retirement tour. D.W. had sworn off alcohol sponsorships, and Jay heard about it from Waltrip's business team. You had to make sure that your stuff was at least might be right. You know, it's like you didn't want to just put stuff up there, throw it up against the wall. Because some people would just send me stuff and like, just put it up there, see what happens. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You had a certain responsibility yeah. to the truth. Not just not, and not just to the the media, the reporters, but to the fans and the readers. When something came out and it was totally wrong. I was not happy. I was very upset with myself and for not for falling for it. But sometimes it might have been in the works and then they decide not to do it. Or other times it might have been completely fabricated, such as the person who told Jay that IndyCar's Eddie Cheever would be running NASCAR full-time. They made up a site. They had paint schemes. They actually made the car look real. And I'm like, something just didn't feel right. I actually contacted someone from Eddie Cheever's, and they're like, he has no plans on doing that. Uh, thanks for contacting us. It's like, we're going to look into that site. I've, like, ratted on a few people. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of things that weren't correct. I knew Richard Childers wanted to kill me at one time. I remember I was I was up there at the winery one time, and, and it was the week of the uh, banquet in New York, and I was like, good, I'm safe. RC isn't here. And it's funny because it, we would go through the shops and stuff, and does RC know he's here? Does R.C. know he's here? He actually came back once and they hid me in his back room. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I look up and here comes Childers Tours. I'm like, I swear to goodness, I was like sweating. And he sat down and met me and he was, he was really, really super to me. He's like, yeah, I'm over, I'm over all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I put something about Skinner once leaving and he ended up leaving and R.C. was not happy about that. But there was mostly a general appreciation for the work being done by Jay, who relocated from his Jersey home of 40 years to Mooresville, North Carolina in early 2004. Though he still kept a low profile, he began meeting the people he was posting about, while continuing to work day and night on his website. For the first decade, Jay was a literal one-man band. Shortly after ESPN entered the picture, it demanded an insurance policy. That was Scott Page, who knew Jay from running BGNRacing.com, which was devoted to covering what would become the Xfinity series. I always called myself a designated survivor because basically I was brought on in case Jay dropped the head. So when ESPN bought the site, they wanted to make sure if they're investing all that money and something happens to Jay, uh, that the site was So I was kind of trained to be the worst case scenario just in case. And they wanted to make sure if they're investing that kind of money up front for him that uh, you know, there would be a way for the site to continue rather than just cease to exist one day. And they kept saying, well, we need to get someone in case Jay gets hit by a bus. That was our what, what our, <laughs> our philosophy was. You were working like 15-hour days by yourself oh, easy. every day. 15 yeah. would have been a light day for me. So I started asking people that I knew. You know, I was like, do you know anyone who might be interested in working with the site? And I need the right person, someone I can train, because they got to do it like I do it. And so I asked Scott, because we had talked back and forth a few times. He goes, well, what about me? So he flew in, and we just we just clicked, and he's been a, he's been a great great guy. He, he followed along what I wanted to do and didn't try to go off on his own little little thing and, and followed, I guess, the J-Ski way of doing things. The J-Ski way is, in a word, simplicity. It's clean, elegant, and easy to follow signposts might have been the site's masterstroke. I'm computer illiterate. 
but it was so simple to navigate. Yeah. I mean, so freaking simple. If you didn't know anything, you could find what you were looking for at J-Ski. Yeah. And that, that was what was great about it. Hell, a lot of us that worked on race cars and stuff, we didn't know stuff. You know what I mean? We didn't know computers. There also was a goofy charm to the site, which used gaudy flashing buttons for new paint schemes. Jay favored primitive WordPress-style clip art that was burnished by simple yellow and black backgrounds. It was primarily just a lot of whatever he could find, free clip art he could find, you know. And people used to comment they hated, especially when we went to the ESPN design, is they couldn't see the Christmas lights on the website anymore. <laughs> Stuff that has no bearing to NASCAR at all. Why don't you have the turkey up on Thanksgiving? Well, there wasn't really a place to put it on an ESPN site. <laughs> so we will... Uh, We'll be bringing turkeys and various uh, decorations back now because we can. And you may remember back when we had a new paint scheme or something, you'd have a little flashing new button. That was, I mean, that was typical late 90s internet stuff. It's the flashing colors. And, yeah, it was a little gaudy when you look back on it, but that's what it was back then. Now it's more valuable as a historical repository, a treasure trove of more than 2,000 paint schemes and a statistical database that many drivers, such as Bubba Wallace, still find useful. When we did like fantasy stuff five, six years ago, that was like the site to see, you know, what's the average finishes and stuff. And so I use that. You know, nowadays, that's like one of the first things that pops up. When I get out of the car or something, Jason's always like the first article I go to just to see, you know, where everybody lined up in practice. I'll look at the, the time and score monitor a little bit, but Jason's like the number one spot for all things. That's nice for Jay to hear because... It means a lot because the last probably, I don't know, five, six years, we haven't heard, heard much. I don't think you've heard much about me. And, you know, the site itself has been kind of quiet, you know, ever since you know ESPN started switching around to look like ESPN. Just on a, a one point, ESPN never once told us what to post, what not to post. They just redesigned the site. And they wanted more images and videos because that's what everyone wants. But obviously, you know, with the site, that's not what they wanted from, from jski.com, so... Uh, but yeah, it's been really, really cool to, to have interest. I've done more interviews this year than I've done in the last like five or six years combined. The latest era of NASCAR news has centered around social media, which effectively dulled Jayski's influence as a newsbreaker and as a clearinghouse for information. That also naturally happened because of the diminishment of newspapers, whose stories once were the cornerstone of Jayski's article column links pages which were religiously updated multiple times a day and regularly after midnight Saturdays. But it also was a result of Twitter and Facebook making it easier than ever to bypass sites such as Jayski for the dissemination of news both unofficially and officially. You know, we were known for being rumors back, you know, 22 years ago when I started a site, but that isn't the case anymore because there's not a lot of rumors out there anymore. It's a whole right. different world. The news happens in real time now. Right. Yeah. yeah with Twitter, I mean, the, the teams rather get it out on Twitter than someone, you know, break a story so, yeah. or have a rumor out there. So they, they'll put it out before their, their team members even know about it, put it on Twitter, and then, yeah. then let them know. But, yeah, it's a whole different world. And we basically just try to adapt to it. And, I, you know, for a while there, I was, I was wondering if it was, you know, how relevant the site was even, at, you know, anymore after... Facebook, not so much, but um, Twitter, definitely. Yeah, obviously, Twitter has changed immensely because, you know, basically anybody can, can send out their own NASCAR now. You know, it gets picked up either on Facebook or Reddit or somewhere else and people talk about it. I think you see a lot more stuff out that doesn't, fall, you know, doesn't come true now because it's not vetted in the same way it was. But it's 
on the flip side, a lot of people who are in the know can let that stuff out themselves now. Accompanied by the decline in rumors, the past few years also saw a precipitous drop in page view traffic. That likely stemmed in part from a redesign that stripped JSKI of its longtime black and yellow to bring it in line with other sites run by ESPN, which had stopped broadcasting NASCAR in 2014. Jay says he was told last December that his contract wouldn't be renewed, which was fine with him because he was ready for retirement. He thought the site would continue until he got some bad news on January 28, 2019. Scott emails me and says, uh, ESPN wants to talk to me. It's like, I'm not sure what's going on. And the next day they, they called and told him he was done uh, and the site would be just not updated after that. Uh, I still had access to it, but there's not there wasn't much I could do, and they told me not to really mess with it, so I so I did. So we were swear back in limbo. We didn't know what was going to happen. We thought everything was over and done with. And then uh, I talked to ESPN, and they said they would, you know, once they got the legalities worked out, they would just give me the site back and the URL and my trademark. And I'm yeah. like, cool. So they gave me. Uh, they waived my non-compete and gave me a license to use anything that we had used in the past as long as it was generated on the site. So we put out the word that we were looking. After talking with several media outlets, Jay settled in early May on a partnership with NASCAR Digital Media Network, which operates the back-end and technical infrastructure of jsky.com, as well as its ad sales. It's an arrangement similar to some tracks and teams, whose sites partner with NASCAR Digital, but still manage their own content. Jay said he is permitted full editorial control, and just as importantly, he has aesthetic rights too. Since its May 13th relaunch, longtime visitors to Jayski will notice it has a very familiar look, including the yellow smiley face as its browser bookmark. What we want to do is like a throwback, you know, put it back the way it used to be, because... We had so many complaints that people hated the ESPN look, and you know we just went with it because that's what they wanted. And we just figured the information would be the important part, but people really liked the, the good old yellow design. <laughs> and it's funny because people used to complain about that. It's like, oh, you're hideous, you need to update. It's about information, who cares what it looks like? The main driver of traffic now is the paint schemes, which is appropriate because it's another throwback to the site's silly season origins. It took several weeks to rebuild the 2,300 paint schemes that Jayski has uploaded and housed over the past 20 years. It's so funny. I've had so many people who advised me or uh, been part of my team in the past who just like thought the paint schemes was a waste of time. And I just kept saying, you know, that's what it was sort of born on. That was always my fascination. Just from my time as a kid with IndyCars, I just loved all the different schemes with the Indy cars and that's sort of how the silly season moniker came about with me you know back in the in the 70s they had they'd had the silly season with Indy cars and and you'd have what 70 cars show up in the 500 and be crazy and I just always I kind of just stuck with that uh, when I started the site just thought it sounded cool and put it up never know it would take off like it did the deal with NASCAR digital runs through the end of 2021 which means jski.com will reach its 25th anniversary. And who would have thought that a web started on the side would last that long? Not a lot of websites that have been around that long. Where it goes in the future, I guess, is see how the numbers go and everything. You know, I'm 57 now, so definitely looking at doing other things. You know, Scott seems, no, seems to be very interested in keeping it going, and he does a great job. 
I probably always have my hand in it somehow. I hope hope to be involved, but we'll see see how it flows. You always be a NASCAR fan, checking Jayski like any other NASCAR fan. Oh yeah. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast, and a special thanks for all of the voices that you just heard, starting with Jay Adamzik and Scott Page of Jayski's Silly Season site. They've had a lot going on, obviously, over the past six months, but they were very accommodating in helping make this happen by giving up a lot of their time to talk about the history of their website. Thanks as well to Kyle Bush. He was the first voice you heard before the intro. And also Kyle Petty, Kevin Harvick, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Landon Castle, Jeff Burton, Denny Hamlin. Jayski.com truly has touched virtually every person in NASCAR in one way or another over the past 23 years. And I was glad that so many people helped tell that story with their insight and memories. Some of you have pointed out this is the first NASCAR and NBC podcast that we've had in a while. And I appreciate those of you who have asked about where it's been. I've gotten sidetracked quite a bit in July, but I'll try to avoid going that long between episodes again the rest of this season. It's been a good kind of busy lately. Of course, NASCAR and NBC has picked up the schedule again, so that's kept me preoccupied. But I've also had a couple of podcast projects keeping me busy as well. One of those you just heard, and there'll be another similar episode in a couple of weeks if you have fond memories of Dale Earnhardt versus Terry Labonte on August 28th, 1999 at Bristol Motor Speedway, I think you'll enjoy the retrospective I'll have coming on that. Again, I spoke with several people, many of the principals involved, as well as some behind the scenes during that race for what I hope will be a full tapestry of that magical night for NASCAR. So stay tuned. That's coming Bristol week. After that, I'm trying to line up some more guests for the playoffs, always seeking suggestions as well, and you can send those to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. As always, if you liked what you heard here, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or however you're listening to us, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or if you just want to go on social media and tell people you liked what you heard, tag me or tag NASCAR NBC. That really helps us spread the word and get our name out there as well. That helps a lot when we take a month off. And again, I appreciate those of you who have stuck with us. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.